Thanks for joining us today. We'd love to hear how God is using this ministry in your life. We encourage you to share your story with us at info at fellowshipgj.com. Also, if God is using this ministry to impact you, we want to encourage you to partner with us financially. You can do that online at fellowshipgj.com. Pick the giving option that works best for you and help us to continue to bring the message of Christ to our community and beyond. Again, thanks for joining us and enjoy today's message. Well, good morning, church. Again, I want to welcome you and thank you for being here today. Uh, we're starting this series in this house. And over the next couple of weeks, uh, I want to talk about this house. I want to talk about our church. I want to talk about Fellowship Church. And what I've recognized about uh, different houses is that different houses have different house expectations that you have certain house expectations in your house and I have certain house expectations in my house. And we know this because if you go to different houses, you recognize that there are different expectations at different houses. Uh, you, you can go to a house that's like the no shoes house, right? How many of you are the house where it's like no shoes? Shoes, leave them at the door, right? And then there's other houses like, we don't care. You wear your work boots in here if you want. Like, I don't care. Or there's the no pop house, right? The no pop house. I grew up in the no pop house. Anyone understand that? No pop on the carpet. We're not going to let any stains get on the couch, on the carpet, anything. And then there's other houses by just walking around looking at the carpet. You can tell they don't care what you bring in here. It's fine. It's good, right? Then there's the quiet house. Like the expectation of this house is quiet. We, we talk, we want it peaceful in here. We, we talk quiet in here, quiet in our house. And then there's the loud house, right? Like we're both sitting on the couch together and we're talking as loud as we can. And we're interrupting each other, talking over each other. And the football game's going on at the same time. And it is loud in this house. Man, I grew up in that house. I felt bad for my wife when she was, when we were dating. She had to learn how to live in the loud house because we go out to a restaurant and this poor woman couldn't get a word in unless she was like, screaming at the top of her lungs because I grew up in the loud house and everyone was talking at the same time. We all have different house expectations. What's interesting about house expectations is that some can be assumed and some are explained. Like you, you can assume just by coming into certain houses that like there, there's, there's expectations here. So this is a very quiet, organized house. So you can kind of fall in line with that by an assumption. Others are explained. You show up and you see a sign on the door. There's an ex expectation that there's no soliciting here and leave your shoes at the door, right? And no dogs and like, like no parking in front of my mailbox stuff. Like, like there are expectations, they, they're explained. And see, my goal and my hope for in this next couple of of weeks in this series is that none of the expectations of this house would be assumed, but all of the expectations of the house that God wants us to build here would be explained so that we know this. So, because sometimes things can get out a little bit out of whack, right? Like you have an expectation and, and it's the way that you do things, but then all of a sudden it's like you, you drift off of that expectation a little bit. And all of a sudden you realize I'm not really where I was trying to be. I wonder, have you ever drifted? You drifted like I was, I was on an exercise plan and you, you drifted off of it. Like I was on the diet plan, but then I saw Dairy Queen and I di drifted, right? Now I'm in the brownie blizzard, right? Like you, you, you can drift off of something. So, I mean, th there could be times where it's like, you, you've got to have like a little refresher to remind yourself, this is exactly how we're going to do things in this house. And in fact, 
It's important that we do these things. We, we have these uh, meetings from time to time. In fact, we call them family meetings in our house where we pull our kids together and have to have the family meeting. How many of you regularly have to pull your kids together and have a, a family meeting about the expectations of your house, right? It, and when we do this, it's not like it's anything new. It's not, it's not like, wow, here's a new idea, a new concept. This is the way it's always been. But sometime between the ages of three and 15, my kids forgot that we don't leave laundry all over the floor. We actually pick it up and put it in the basket. And in fact, I can't even blame it on them because normally that family meeting is called by my wife and it's for me because she's like, <laughs> she's like, Dan, I'm in, I'm in the closet and I'm looking here and I want to show you like, look, 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 Dan, Dan, just look, look, hamper, hamper, your underwear. Okay. Hamper, underwear. Look, that, that's it. That's all, all you got to do right there. I'm like, but babe, I'm working on my hook shot. And she's like, you suck at basketball. So listen to me, put it in the hamper. All right. It's a house expectation. I think sometimes in church we can look around and go, man, there is underwear all over the floor. And Lord, we need a family meeting here for a little bit uh, of refresher, a little bit like, yeah, there's some of us that maybe we forgot that this is the church that God has called us to be. Maybe, maybe for some of us that are new here, we need to understand these are the values, the expectations of what God wants us to build in our house. So we, we have to have a family meeting every once in a while. It's like the do's and the don'ts. And, and really in this series, in this next couple of weeks, I don't want to focus on the don'ts uh, of what not to do in church. That, that's not what we're doing here. What I want to do is I want to focus on the do. I want to focus on the fact that God has, has put in us an identity and he's instilled in us values of what fellowship church is to be in this church, in this community, how we are to affect people and how we are to live as part of this body. So I want to spend a little bit of time having a family meeting this morning. Are you guys willing to, to sit in with me and have a family meeting this morning? We gotta love each other like brothers and sisters if we're gonna have a family meeting this morning. So uh, I don't think that we can have a conversation about this house, about the church of God, about, about building what fellowship church without looking into his scripture and seeing um, what he wants from us. So we can look in scripture and we see, uh, there's a man by the name of, of Solomon. And the Bible describes him as the wisest man that ever lived. He was rich, he had so many resources. And there's some things that he said that, that we're gonna jump right off on right here. It says this in, in 1 Kings 5, 5, it says, this is Solomon talking, I intend to build a house for the name of the Lord, my God. So he's saying with all that I can bring to the table, with my resources, with all my wealth, with my strength, I could, you know what I could do? I could build myself the biggest house in the world. I could work on all of my stuff. I could work on my businesses. I could work on everything else. But what I intend to do is I intend to build a house for the name of the Lord, my God. See, and I just want to remind us all today that when we're talking about this house, when we're talking about Fellowship Church, we're not talking about building our house. We're not talking about building a club. See, Fellowship Church is not a name brand. Fellowship Church is the house of God. So what we're building here is we're building His house. 
So in building his house, we're going to build his house with his standards. And that means that sometimes we're going to, we might disagree personally with, with the way that he would build the house, but we're not building my house. I'm not building your house. We're building his house. So there are going to be times that we hear messages and we hear truths from scripture and you go, wait a minute. I don't know if I actually like it that way. I don't know if I really agree with it that way, but, but my point is not to offend you, even though it's going to happen sometimes, but I'm not up here for popularity and I'm not up here to, to try to build a club because what we're doing here is we're building a house on the standards of the word of God. And when we build a house on the standards of the word of God, you know what that does? It makes a place where God can be glorified, where God can show up, where he can come in power, where he can move and he can change you and he can give you vision and he can give you hope and he can give you breakthrough and he can bring dreams back to life that you thought died decades ago. He can show up and he can do work when you build the house on his standards. So this is not the opinion of Dan Hooper, and this is not the opinion of a group of any men or women in this church. We are gonna look in scripture and tell you that as Fellowship Church has been formed, we're forming around some standards, and it might take a couple weeks to get through uh, these standards, but today I wanna talk to you about four things that we're building this house on, four values, four core commitments, Four things that you need to understand. So this is like a family meeting. You might be here today going, ah, I don't know if I'm a part of this family. I might feel a little left out. No, this is the perfect week for you to be here because this is the perfect week for you to understand what Fellowship Church is about and, and what God is intending for us to act as a community. So four things I wanna encourage you, write them down, take a picture of them. These are things we need to understand. But in this house, in this house, number one, we honor everyone. In this house, it is a standard that we honor everyone. And I know that word honor, man, it can be, it's hard to swallow because we live in a culture, we live in a day and age right now where nobody honors anyone. And it only takes a couple seconds uh, scrolling on uh, Facebook, scrolling on social media before you see that, that, that people don't honor anyone anymore. People aren't honoring politicians. People aren't honoring their bosses. They're not honoring their employees. Parents aren't honoring teachers. Teachers aren't honoring their students. Teachers aren't honoring parents. So we see that volunteers aren't being honored. Churches aren't honoring other churches. Pastors aren't honoring other pastors. We live in a world right now where dishonor is just everywhere, but God has said for our house, in this house, this will be a place where we honor Everyone See, a stagnant, nasty place is a place where there is no honor because we don't understand what honor really means. I think a lot of times as Christians, we don't honor people because we don't understand really the definition of what honor is. We equate honor with agreement. So we think I can only honor you if I agree with you. So if I disagree with you, then, then we dishonor it. But let me explain something that what honor is, is honor is simply adding value to someone, simply adding value to something. So you can disagree with someone and man, there are a lot of things that we can disagree about. There's, there's certain things we should never have to disagree about if we're followers of Christ, because he said it in black and white. 
I mean, like, we don't have to argue about certain things. You don't have to argue about do not murder because he said, don't not murder. Like, we don't have to argue about shacking up with someone because he said, don't commit adultery. There are certain standards that in scripture, God said, this is the way it is. We don't have to argue about it. So, so we're gonna disagree with those people who, who are in the world who are not living by the standards of God. However, you can disagree with someone without dishonoring them. See, honor is is adding value. And here at Fellowship Church, we are determined to add value to every person, whether we agree with them or not. See, a great example of this is in adding value is like a family heirloom. You, you might have a family heirloom in your family. It could be a table that was worth $5 a hundred years ago, but it was your great, great grandfather's table. And then it got passed down and it got passed down and it got passed down each generation added value to it and said, no, this is more important because of what it means. So we treat it differently because it means more to us. The table to me might only be $5, but to you, since it's an heirloom is priceless. It's so funny because I was in my parents' house yesterday Yesterday, I am 37 years old, okay? And I looked up on the wall and there are two framed paintings that I painted as a child. And they're still on the wall. 37 year old man has got two, like, hey, people are taking my art. They're buying my, it's valuable. It is valuable. Just, you just asked my mom, I am quite the artist, right? I moved from the refrigerator to a frame. That is saying something, you know what I'm talking about? That is a five cent painting. Two cents for the paper, about three cents worth of paint. That, that, that value to me is no more than a nickel and I would not pay a nickel for it, okay? But my mother added value to it because of what it meant to her. She recognized that this was more than just a piece of paper. So what did she do to it that added value to it? She treats it differently than those things without value. And when you add value to something, you treat it differently. So she treats it differently than a five cent piece of paper. It doesn't get thrown in a box. When they travel, it gets wrapped in a perfect packaging and then it's stored away. And the box has fragile written on top of it because it, it, it has value to it. It doesn't have value because there's agreement. It doesn't have value because it has some great worth. It has value because my mother added value to it. We've got to understand as a church family, as fellowship church in this house, we honor everyone. And that means adding value to people, treating them differently than the world treats them, treating them differently than the way that other people treat them, treating them differently than the way that other people in your own family treat them. We are to honor people, honor. You see, it's, it's changing the perspective of how we handle people, changing the perspective of how we speak about people, how we speak about churches that we've gone to in the past and businesses that we've dealt with and people that have hurt us. It, it, it takes honor. Romans twelve ten says, now de, devote to one another in love, honor one another honor one another above yourselves. See, we're not supposed to spew uh, hatred and cut people down. We're not supposed to give everyone a piece of your, our mind. People don't need a piece of your mind. 
See, uh, dishonor, it just tears people down. It destroys people. It destroys families. It destroys dreams. It destroys, it destroys hopes. It destroys business. It destroys churches. Dishonor, it, it never lifts anyone up. And I think because sometimes we think, since I disagree with this person, I, I can't do anything that would add value to them. But anytime we dishonor someone and tear them down, we're not just tearing them down, we're tearing ourselves down. Dishonor brings us down. So here we have committed to honor everyone. That's what scripture says. First Peter 2 verse, 12, verse 17 says, honor, what's it say there? Honor everyone. Uh, everyone, wait a minute. But that means we honor the old, we honor the young, we honor the rich, we honor the poor, we honor people we agree with, we honor people we disagree with, we honor people that voted the way we do, we honor people that don't vote the way we do, we honor people that we can't stand even read their bumper stickers, we honor people that have the same bumper stickers as us, we honor people because we're deciding, we've determined that to be a part of the church that God wants us to be a part of, we are going to add value to every person, we're gonna honor them. So Fellowship Church, we're gonna be the ones that in a world that doesn't honor politicians and doesn't honor police officers and doesn't honor teachers, we're gonna be the ones that honor our politicians and we honor our president. We honor people, because you, you don't have to agree with the way they voted. You don't have to agree with the way they're running their office, but we, we, we can still honor them. I don't have to agree with politicians, but I don't have to be dishonorable. It, you, I, I mean, sometimes you, you can even frustrate me, and I, I, but I don't have to dishonor you. I mean, like, I mean, this might be hard to imagine, but I bet there's probably even times I've frustrated you. I mean, I've, I don't know how that happened. <laughs> but please don't dishonor me, because in this house, what are we doing? We're, we're adding value to people. We're not gonna win people with the love of Christ by dishonoring them and tearing them down. We see that Jesus found a woman who was accused of adultery and, and what he did to this woman who was accused of adultery, all the men were there. They were ready to stone her. They wanted to dishonor her publicly. What did he do is he stood her up and he, he, he scared all the accusers away and said, if you can do this without sin, then, then cast the first stone. And he pushed them all away. And what did he do? He brought honor honored to a woman who was, he was in disagreement with. Jesus did not agree with adultery. He was in disagreement, with, but he honored her. And what did he do? That honor, that love brought her to a place where then he was there able to forgive her and tell her now go and sin no more. Not get your life right so you'll be okay and then I'll honor you. No, I'll honor you. And then God will give you the grace in order to be able to change you. So in this house, we honor everyone. Number two, in this house, you gotta understand in Fellowship Church, we expect God to move. We expect God to move. Not, listen, in fact, this is not, uh, I'm hoping that God will move today. Like, like, Lord, would you please like show up today? It'd be really neat this Sunday if you show up. I, I, I'm hoping God would move. I'm hoping he'd do something. I hope they'd sing the song I wanna sing today. No, none of that. It's I, not, I'm wondering, will God do something? I am expecting every week knowing God is going to do something. 
I expect every week, I know God is mending marriages in this room every week. I know people are coming out of addiction every week in this room. People are getting direction and hope every week. People are coming in here depressed and leaving with hope. People are coming in here wondering if this is the end, if this is as far as they're gonna make it in life and leaving with direction. Every week, God shows up and moves and we have to expect that he's gonna be here. This is not wishing God would, uh, would show up. This is in Disneyland. When you wish upon a star, like God's some genie in a bottle. No, he's God. So his word is tried and true. It can be trusted. And he says, when two or more show up together in my name, there I am with you. Okay, so God is in this room right now. He is with us. He's, he's not just some big guy in the sky. He's in this room now, and he can be trusted in this room now. And now, listen, if you come in not expecting that he's in the room, you could miss it. You can miss the very fact that he's healing the person sitting right next to you. That wisdom that you've been praying for is landing and you're not catching it because you're not expecting him to move. When we come into this church, we believe that he is good and he is going to do what he says he's gonna do. We expect him to move. Man, we, we have got to understand that, that that's what faith is. Faith is believing God and acting accordingly. Hebrews 11 says this, and I love this out of the Amplified Version. It says, now faith is the assurance, the title deed. Okay, I don't wanna insult your intelligence, but if you don't know what a title deed is, a title deed is proof that you own something. Okay, it's proof that I have this piece of paper that says, no, that's my car, you can't take my, this is my house, the bank can't come and take my house, I have the deed, I have the title, I own it, okay? So the Bible is saying that faith is that substance that we own it, okay? Don't miss this. Faith is the substance that we own healing, okay? We own peace, we own restoration, we own hope, we own vision. We own these things. Why? Because we believe in the one who can give it to us. So he says, it's already yours. You just trust me and I gave it to you. You, you trust me, I, I, I give it to you. So it goes on a little farther. So faith is the assurance, the title deed, it's confirmation of things hoped for. Okay, hope is not wishing. In the original language here, hope, it's so clearly defined as being divinely guaranteed. So our faith is evidence of the things that we know are going to happen. They're divinely guaranteed they're gonna happen. Why? Because we believe that God said that they will happen. Okay, so I know God's gonna come through in my marriage. I know God's gonna get my kids off of drugs. I know he's gonna rescue me through this depression. I know he's gonna give me breakthrough. Why? Because he said it and I trust him and I believe him. So there's an evidence there that I'm living my life in, in believing what he said and that evidence of the things not seen, the conviction of the reality. Faith comprehends as facts what cannot be experienced by the physical, senses. So what does that mean? It means even though I can't see it, even though I can't feel it, I'm going to believe in spite of my natural senses that God is on the move. Even though I don't feel like worshiping today, I'm going to believe God's on the move. 
Even though I don't feel like going to church today, I'm gonna believe he is on the move. Even though I'm not feeling it, I believe he is on the move. And, and, and you, you're experiencing this. And sometimes we have to look backwards to catch it because maybe you're the one in this room where you're like, I, I got drugged to church today. It's like some people just drag me. I don't wanna be at church today. And you're here and you show up and, and you experience a little bit of time in the presence of God. And then, and then you leave here and you're like, I, I don't wanna go to church. And then it turns into, I, I think I might go back next week. And I think I might do that again. And then all of a sudden you're like, why am I getting up early on a Sunday morning to go to church? It's because he's changing things in you and God will start to change things in you because he's on the move. He'll change things in you that you, you didn't even give him permission to change. But, but now all of a sudden it's like, I, I'm not the same person I was. And there's things I was comfortable with a year ago that I'm not comfortable with anymore. There was conversations I was comfortable being a part of. I just, I can't even be a part of those conversations anymore. I, I can't even sin the way I used to sin. Eh? Anyone feel that way? And that's not like a challenge to go out and try. Don't do that. I'm saying, I'm saying, God, what is it? It's God is on the move. He's changing you, whether or not, because it's he that began a good work in you and it's he that will carry it out to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. So man, Fellowship Church, as a value of our house, we don't come into this house just going, I hope God will show up today. I hope God, he's moving. So we show up in this house and we go, I expect to see miracles happen. I expect to see my friend get saved. I expect to see this person who's been addicted and in love with this issue for so long, they're gonna have a hatred, a holy hatred for the very thing that's been drawing them away from God. I expect God to move. It's part of our house. It's part of our DNA, the fabric of Fellowship Church. We honor everyone. We expect God to move. You ready for number three? Number three, we refuse to live life alone. We refuse to live life alone. Now, let me be honest. I know there are a lot of loners in this room. I, I, I know that it's easier sometimes to be a loner. I, I know, I know that. I know that sometimes we just, we just wanna, we prefer to be alone. I just do things my own way, but I'm telling you that if you want to grow in Fellowship Church, if you wanna grow in your life, if you wanna grow in any trade, if you wanna grow in any skill, it doesn't happen alone. It happens with other people. In Genesis, God said, it is not good for man to be alone. So when you hear people say, ah, I can do church in the mountains. No, that, that is a lie from the devil. Because what God says, he said, I want you together in community. It's not good for you to be alone. I've put you together. Guys, we do a lot of stupid on our own. <laughs> Have you recognized that? The stupidest things I've ever done in my life, I do them on my own. And let me be honest, I do it on purpose on my own. It's like, I, I didn't. I didn't invite you into the conversation because I didn't want you to talk me out of the stupid I was about to do. It's like, for, please forgive me. If you sell boats, please forgive me. I just gotta tell you this, but it's like, I knew I wanted to buy a boat. And I didn't ask a single friend of mine about buying a boat because I knew every friend I had would tell me, you're an idiot, you live in Colorado, buy snowshoes, don't buy a boat. 
to sit in your driveway for 11 months a year, so don't buy a boat. But I'm like, no, I, I, what did I do? I went and I bought the boat. And then after 11 months of it sitting in my driveway, I'm trying to sell the boat. And my friends are laughing at me going, why didn't you ask us? I'm like, because I knew that if I had the support and the encouragement around me to tell me not to do it, that maybe it would have talked me out of doing something stupid. So, so I didn't invite people and I did life alone. And honestly, guys, wherever you are in your journey, I want to tell you, you're welcome here. And we're so happy that you're here. We're glad you're here. But our hope for you is that you would get connected and choose not to live life alone because it is easy to show up five minutes after the service started and to slip out at the end of a prayer and not talk to another person. It's easy to listen online or to watch on YouTube and not be a part of a community. But that's not what God called us to do. He called us to do life together. He shows us here in the book of Acts. He says this, he says, all the believers were one heart and mind and no one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything that they had. Are we sharing everything with each other? Are we sharing everything? And, and don't go simplistic on this. We're not talking about money. I'm not talking about open up your wallet and give money to the people around you. That was way too simplistic. He's saying everything. Are you sharing your successes with other people? Are you sharing your, your failures with other people? Because there's a lot of stupid I've done that you could learn from, so you don't have to do that same stupid. <laughs> right? There's a lot of success that you have that, man, I would like to not go through pain. I'd rather have the success, so would you share that with me? There are marriages in here that you, you're going strong after 20 or 30 years. Would you help some of us that are, that we're, at, we're at our spouse's throat at two years. Would you help? Would you share that with us? Would you help? There's people in here who have come out of addiction and come out of divorce and come out of some very painful things where there needed to be forgiveness. And there are people in this room that are, feel like they're drowning. Would you, would you help? Would you share? Would you, would you come forward with the skills and the experiences that you have and share everything with one another? We need that. We, we need one another to encourage each other, to help each other along. Because without it, we'll, we'll just isolate ourselves and make the same mistakes that the person next to us made and do it over and over and over again. But I hear people sometimes argue, well, you know, I didn't go to church this last week because I'm doing really good right now. I feel like I'm doing fine. I'm good. So I didn't need anything. Well, you're missing the whole point of community then because God says to come together on a regular basis. Do not, uh, do not give up in meeting regularly like some are in the habit of doing. That's from Hebrews. We're to come together to encourage one another. Okay. Well, if all of the people that are ready to encourage because they're in a good mood, they're in a good place, they're in a good spot are gone, how encouraging is that going to be? Right? So when you get this idea, I'm fine, I don't need to go to church today. No, when you're fine, you need to be at church today because this could be the day that you lift a brother up and you're like, man, you're going to make it through this. This could be the day where you're like, I know you've been praying. I know it's been hurting, but I got your back and you're going to make it and you're going to struggle. So keep putting another foot in front of the other one and keep walking. And we're doing life together. We're never meant to do life alone. So at Fellowship Church, we're determined. We're, we refuse to do life alone. That's why we say, guys, we want 
wants you to get involved in serving. We want you to get involved in small groups and classes and stuff like that. It's not just so we can pat on ourselves on the back and go, woo, we got a bunch of small groups. It's because we need each other. I need to learn from your successes. I need to learn from your failures and vice versa. It needs to come the other way around. We need to support one another. Man, because everyone wants to be alone and be left alone until you go through something, until you're in the hospital and you realize I'm alone. Until you were doing life with that one person and that one person died and now you realize I'm, I'm alone. We, we need other people around us and you can't wait until you need those relationships before you build them. And we've got to build them. And, and let, me, let me explain what alone means. Alone means if you have no one else who is following Christ in your life that you're doing life with, no one else that will encourage you in your journey because we can invest into our, our, our relationships in other places. But if we're missing it in the body of Christ, how are we helping each other? How, how are we encouraging each other to live the type of life that God wants us to live? And it says that in scripture that they met every day in their houses, breaking bread, eating together. Is this is not just like one hour on a Sunday. This is every day. We look for other believers to do life with, to at work, to pray with, to encourage, to, to email and help out, to, to, to do life together. It's part of the core value of who we are as a church. The mission statement of Fellowship Church is to connect the unconnected to Jesus Christ and together grow in full devotion to him. Together, together. So in this house, a couple values that we we need some refresher on. Number one, we honor everyone. Number two, we expect God to move. Number three, we, we refuse to do life alone. And then lastly, before we close this morning is we forgive often. We forgive often. If you wanna be a part of fellowship church, any church, you wanna be a part of a family, you wanna be a part of a team, you wanna be a part of anything where there's success in it and you have longevity, there has to be forgiveness. And this statement says we forgive often because forgiveness is not a one-time thing. Sometimes it's a once a week thing. Sometimes it's a once a day thing. Sometimes it's a once a minute thing. Depending on who it is, it could be a once every second thing, right? <laughs> but we have to learn how to forgive. Man, I realize I, I don't wanna downplay anything. I know there are some some horrible pains in this room. I know, I know there are people who've gone through things that we just, you wouldn't even want to discuss in this room. There are pain from the past. And, and, and I know we get to this point where like, I just don't know if I can forgive. It's, it's just so painful. You don't know. And I recognize there's a lot of pain here, but, but I'm telling you that you will not live the type of life of fulfillment that you're supposed to live holding on to every word that's been spoken over you. You will not live the type of life of fulfillment holding on to every decision that's been made on your behalf to every hurt that's happened to you. So, so for us to grow personally, for us to grow as a church, we're, we're gonna refuse to be bitter Christians. We're gonna refuse to be people who hold on to offenses. We're gonna refuse to be bitter, beer-faced Christians who are just angry all the time. We are going to refuse to be the type of people to hold on to grudges because the Bible says, be even-tempered, content with second place and quick to forgive, 
quick to forgive others. We have got to learn how to forgive and how to do it quickly. Notice it doesn't say, it doesn't say do it over seven years. It doesn't say, you know, do it when you feel like it. It says be, be quick to forgive. Not, not just when you feel like it, be even tempered, content with second place, quick to forgive in offense, and then forgive as quickly and completely as the master forgave you. As quickly and completely. For all the Christ followers in this room, I, I want you to just think about that for a moment. Like I said a moment ago, we all know we, we've done a bunch of stupid. And Jesus, he, he didn't just get around to it. He rushed in to quickly and completely forgive us of our sins. You think, well, how in the world am I supposed to do that? Well, first we need to understand what forgiveness is because we've been taught a lie where we're, we're told our whole lives growing up. It's like the kindergarten rule, forgive and forget, forgive and forget, forgive and for forgiveness is not forgetting. Okay, forgiveness is canceling debt. Okay, forget it. There are certain things that happened in your life that you might never forget. But what forgiveness is, is saying that, and that, that that person took from me what they owe me, that hurt, I am going to cancel that debt and I'm gonna stop living my life based on waiting for them to do something to repay me. Because there's pain in this room. And if you go through life waiting for, they're gonna apologize someday, they're, if, if they're gonna pay me back somehow, you can go through life and the focus of your life becomes so narrow and so stuck. I'm telling you, there are people who have walked away from marriages, who have walked away from jobs, who have walked away from church and are completely stuck because they've never gotten to the point where they recognize, what, what did God do? He canceled my debt. So since you offended me, what am I gonna do? I'm gonna cancel your debt. You don't owe me anything. Yeah, it hurt, but I forgive you. And I'm gonna move on because the pain from yesterday does not have to direct my future. So here's the, the family meeting part of this church, because I'm gonna offend you. Look at that person on your right. They're gonna offend you. And that person on your left, they're gonna offend you. The Bible says offenses will come. So if we are gonna grow as a family, if we're gonna continue to move forward, we have to be the type of people who forgive Often And it's a commitment to not just, not just be like, ah, when I feel like it, I'll get around to it. It's like, you just ticked me off. I forgive you. And, and, and we bring it into perspective when we read this verse and we go, okay, so my savior, he rushed in and he quickly and completely canceled my debt. I'd like to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. There's some values of our church right now we're talking about where where we recognize that here at Fellowship Church in this house, it is a value that we will honor everyone. We expect God to move. We refuse to do life alone and we forgive often. But how in the world are we gonna talk about forgiving often when I recognize there are people in this room who maybe have never received forgiveness from your sins? You, we're talking about a savior forgiving you. Have you ever asked the savior to forgive you? 
because the Bible says that every one of us need forgiveness. It says this in Romans 3.23, no one looking around. I want you to think about this. The Bible says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Every one of us, we've missed the mark. We've blown it. We don't deserve relationship with God because we have blown it. Every one of us. The Bible says in Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So because of that sin, you and I, what we deserve is death. But instead, God gives us this free gift of eternal life. How? Through a relationship with Jesus Christ. That he paid the price for our sins. Romans 10, 9 says this. This is how it all comes together. That if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified and it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. And who is this for? Well, Romans 10, 13 says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, everyone. So what I wanna do is I wanna pray as a church family right now, and, and this is a repeat after me prayer because I believe there might be people in this room right now who have never asked Jesus to forgive us of our sins, who have never quickly and completely been forgiven of every fault we've ever made in the past and every fault we're gonna make in the future. So right now, I want everyone to pray this prayer with me, especially those of you who have never done this before, where we're committing our lives to saying, Jesus, we want your forgiveness and we want you to be the Lord of our lives. We're not looking for something else to be our God. We're not putting our trust anywhere else. You're the only one who can give us eternal life and you're the only one who's paid for my sin. So would you pray this prayer with me right now, everyone? Dear Jesus, I'm a sinner and I need forgiveness. I believe that you died for me, shed your blood and rose again so that I could have eternal life. So please forgive me of my sins and give me a home forever in heaven. Be my savior and my God. In Jesus name we pray, amen. If you prayed that prayer for the first time today, we wanna to just congratulate you and welcome you to the family, welcome you to the family of God. And we hope that Fellowship Church would be your family as well. Church, we're gonna continue this next week within this house, so don't miss it, but let me pray before we dismiss. God, I thank you for this family. I thank you for these family meetings, and I pray that we would leave here in the culture and living life how you want us to live. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message at Fellowship Church. If you have not made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, I want to give you the opportunity to do that right now. The Bible says in the book of Romans, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved, Romans 10, 9. You can do that right now. I just wanna encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, I am a sinner and I need forgiveness. Please forgive me of my sins. I believe that you are Lord, that you died on a cross for my sins and that you rose again. And God, I thank you for that. I ask you now to be my savior, to guide my life and to give me a home forever in heaven. And God, I ask you this in your precious son, Jesus Christ's name, amen. 
If you just prayed that prayer for the first time, or if you need prayer, we would love to hear from you. You can contact us at 970-245-PRAY or at prayer at fellowshipgj.com. Thanks again. We hope to see you next week.